0: The Gospel according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go. And show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Contrary to what you and I may think, America is very, yes, very religious. Just follow the money, and you will find that religious groups in America own over $600 billion in property. And these religious groups take in over $83 billion each year through offering plates. Now, obviously much of this money goes towards paying salaries as well as giving to missions and paying the electric bills, However, there is also a large chunk of money that is sunk into churches for the purpose, get this, of worship. For example, some churches invest thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars into marble pillars and granite floors and gold-plated tiles and bells and candles. On the opposite side of the spectrum... Yes, on the opposite side of the spectrum, other churches invest thousands of dollars into audio speakers and cameras and screens and lights and, yes, theater seating. But why? But why the hundreds of thousands of dollars put into these things? Well, these things are considered gadgets or tools or inventions that are supposed to help, yes, supposed to help, the Christian worship God, and so what can happen is that the life and the focus of a church then becomes fixated on clinging to buildings and singing and ringing and lighting and clothing and videoing and projecting and all sorts of different preparations that are considered essential to prepare and help Christians with the worship of God. To make things even more complex. And even worse, churches will then end up advertising and showing off the gadgets and the tools and the inventions that they have. It's presented as if these gadgets and these tools and these inventions will help Christians worship God really, really, really well. For example, if you want to worship God, come to our cathedral with reflective glass that has 10,000 rectangular panes of glass. If you want to worship God, come to our cathedral with over one million painted one-inch tiles. If you want to worship God, come to our worship center with the best musicians in town. If you want to worship God, come to our place of worship with the most technologically advanced audio-visual system in the entire city. Well, as can be expected, people are then wooed into these churches for really dramatic religious worship experiences. And generally speaking, yes, generally speaking, these gadgets, these tools, these inventions, they work. Yes, they have a way of enhancing the so called vibrancy and fervor of a person's attempt to worship God. However, there is a catch. Keep in in mind, my friends, there is always a catch. After the church service, people will leave the church and drive home talking about the beauty of the singing in a granite or marble sanctuary. They will leave and talk about worshiping in the middle of cool lights and lasers and perfectly timed video screens and loudspeakers. They will leave talking about all the gadgets and all the tools and all the inventions that were used to enhance their worship experience. They talk about worship and not the one that they are worshiping. That's the key. They talk about worship and not the one they are worshiping. To be honest, I'm so completely humbled and quite ashamed of myself every time I hear about Christian churches overseas. As Christian churches overseas with no air conditioning, dirt floors, and leaking roofs, And to the south of us in South America, their churches have small space heaters inside old railroad boxcars welded together to make a church. I'm so completely humbled and ashamed, not because of some North American guilt, but because we Americans seem not to understand true worship. In North America, we really do not have a clue about what true worship actually is. This is where the reading from the Gospel of Luke this morning is so incredibly valuable to you and me. In the Gospel of Luke, we hear about ten lepers, yes, ten infected lepers with the disease of leprosy, and with these ten, we get a glimpse of worship. Of those ten lepers, keep in mind, the one Samaritan was different from the rest of the Jewish lepers. He returned to Jesus with a loud voice, glorifying God. And right there, yes, right there, simply stated in our reading from the Gospel of Luke, we see and hear about true worship. You see, true worship is returning to Jesus and glorifying God for the gifts that were received. One more time true worship is returning to Jesus and glorifying the Lord for the gifts that we have received. Now, dear friends, our brothers and sisters overseas and as well as in South America, are blessed. They are blessed because they are not distracted by all sorts of gadgets and tools and inventions that we have here in America. They seem to understand that worshiping God is nothing more than returning to Jesus, falling on our faces to give him all the credit as a good giver of gifts. Consider that leprous Samaritan again. The moment that he was cleansed, well, that leprous Samaritan, he ran back to Jesus. He actually shouted all the way back. He knew that he was supposed to go and show himself to the priests in order to be admitted back into society as a cleansed leper. But that didn't matter. In other words, the Samaritan leper was forbidden to approach Jesus as a member of society before being pronounced clean by the priests. But again... That did not matter. That leper, he ran right to the great giver of gifts, Jesus Christ. And get this, he fell at his feet, at Jesus' feet, with his face in the dirt and thanked Jesus. That is worship. You see, if we believe... That we as Christians need a bunch of marble pillars and granite floors, gold-plated tiles, bells and candles, audio speakers and cameras and screens and lights and lasers to worship God? To worship God better? Well, my friends, you and I do not understand true worship. We need to stop and take notice of that Samaritan leper in our text. That Samaritan leper, we see true worship and that true worship is nothing more than returning to Jesus with our face in the ground to give Jesus credit as the giver of good gifts to us. But this does not just happen one time, keep in mind. Dear friends, in humility in humility and meekness, we continually long to receive more and more good gifts from the Lord. And so we return often to receive grace upon grace. Yes, grace upon grace. Think of it this way. Why should marble pillars and granite floors, gold-plated tiles, bells and candles and speakers and cameras and screens and lights and lasers matter if your face is in the ground in reverence before Jesus? How can they elevate you to some higher level of worship? Yes, some higher level of worship when your face should be in the ground before Jesus. Dear friends, please sit up. And open your ears and hear this. Hear this loud and clear right now. God is not impressed with the silly worship games we play. The Lord is not impressed with the flawless performances of prestigious worship. It means nothing to him. True worship has nothing to do with foolish gadgets and tools and inventions. But instead, true worship is when our pride, when my pride is shattered and when we return before the Lord with thanksgiving and a desperate need to receive forgiveness and life and salvation as a gift again and again and again. So it should be evidently clear at this point that there are two kinds of worship. One that has the appearance of having a great spiritual holiness, but in reality, And quite frankly, it is empty. It is a clanging gong. And the other kind of worship, it appears not to be real, but it actually is. The other kind of worship is shown to us in that dirty and despised Samaritan leper. The Samaritan leper is a picture of real worship, contrary to all appearances. Again, worship is not based on the appearance and the cleanliness, the status and the performance of that Samaritan leper, but simply that his face was in the dirt before Jesus, where the leper gave thanks to Jesus as the giver of good gifts. As you think about it a bit more, yes, as you and I think about this a bit more, there are all sorts of examples of true worship in the Bible. Consider this, that repentant pig-smelling prodigal son returning to his father, that is worship. Worship. Blind Bartimaeus, you can recall, blind Bartimaeus crying out from the depths of his gut, Lord have mercy, and then being healed and following Jesus, giving praise, worship, that demonic man, that demonic man being healed and then begging to be with Jesus in that boat, worship, and on and on and on we see. But keep in mind, there is one more great picture of worship that you and I must not overlook. It is actually right here before you and I. It is right here in this church service. It is actually you. You see, when we return to the church service here at St. Paul's week after week after week, you and I do not bring our worship a game But instead, the first thing that you and I do when we come into the sanctuary is that we confess our sins. And when we confess our sins, every single morning in this church, we speak those words of King David. The words that he said when he confessed his sins of adultery with Bathsheba and then received forgiveness through Christ and gave thanks. Worship. When you stand and sing the words of the Kyrie, those words, Lord, have mercy upon us. You are actually singing the words of blind Bartimaeus as he cried out for mercy, was healed by Jesus and gave thanks, worship. And after communion, you and I, we sing that Nunc Dimittis. And as you sing the Nunc Dimittis, you are singing the praise-filled words of a guy named Simeon who held the Savior in his arms. But unlike Simeon, You do not have a Savior in your arms, but in your belly, which is worship. And so, baptized saints, you are free. Keep in mind, you are free. Free from the gadgets and free from the tools and the inventions. You, like that Samaritan leper, are free to return to Jesus again and again and again for worship. You are free to approach the throne of grace with your sin in humility and with thanksgiving to receive again grace upon grace for all of your sins. And so, baptized saints, return. Return to the great giver of gifts, Christ Jesus. Drop your face in the dust and hear the words of Christ for you yet again. Arise, your faith has saved you. Return often, dear baptized saints. Return often to receive the mercy of Christ and give thanks for the Lord. Indeed, because the Lord chooses always to give good gifts to you. Worship. Receiving, thanking, praising. And receiving, praising, and thanking again and again and again. Worship. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Strong word bespeaks speaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org, or visit Saint Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org